And I'm Mike Gregson. Welcome to Come Towards the Light, the podcast. Our goal is to find everyday people who are delightful. These people have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. We want to know their stories and what makes them delightful. We will uncover the life experiences our guests have been through, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way. With the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find light, which leads to our greatest delights? We are excited today to introduce you all to Jake Fulton. Jake is a longtime family friend that Mike and I have both looked up to for years. Jake is full of happy, but he has overcome a lot to get to that place. Today, Jake will take us through growing up in a home that struggled with addictions. This led Jake to look out to outside help as he was making important decisions about his life. Jake talks to us about three pillars that have made his life delightful. One, knowing that no matter what, there's a way to get out when we are stuck. Two, the power of prayer. And the third thing, believing that we are good enough. He also left us with quite the treat by telling us a story about our dad that we'd never heard before, which we just loved. We're so grateful for Jake, for his wife, Rachel, and for their sweet kids for spending an afternoon with us. We know you guys are going to love getting to know Jake. All right, listeners, we're thrilled today um, to have Mr. Jake Fulton with us. I'm so excited to have Jake. Jake is uh, somebody that Dan and I have known for quite a while in our lives. Uh, We grew up in the same area, um, good old Holiday, Utah. and uh, Holiday. Yeah. Celebrate. It'll be all right. Jake, come on. There's the next lights for you, brother. Um, but no, Jake is, uh, is, as we started getting rolling with this podcast, Come Towards the Light, Jake is somebody that was top of mind um, right off the bat for us mm-hmm. of somebody that we want to talk to. And um, Jake, Jake, we'll let you talk in a second, but I'm just going to talk about you for just a minute, brief moment here. But Every time um, I've seen Jake, um, which is not too frequent anymore. I mean, we both have our families. Dan's got a family too. We're, we we just every, occasionally we cross paths. I think last mm-hmm. time we did, we were actually at Disneyland. How yes. crazy is that? We need to go back. Happiest place on earth. But um, Jake, I, I every time I've I've seen you, and every time I cross paths with you, I always feel better about myself when I walk away, and it's because of of the light that you have in your life. And there's no doubt about that. I mean, there my family talks about it. My my people that I know that you know as well that we're connected to talk about that. Everybody when we talk about Jake Fulton, Jake Fulton doesn't walk on water, but Jake Fulton is a guy that we all feel better about ourselves when you're around and and you've got really good positivity in your life. You look out for people and and you try and help people in a way that really uplifts people. So I mm-hmm. I'm thrilled. I'm really um excited today to talk to you and and I know part of your story and and so I, I have a little bit of a glimpse into why I think you're really delightful, um, but I'm excited to hear that a little bit more in depth. So um, that said, uh, let's let's have you just introduce your, you know, yourself. Tell us a little bit about you. Tell us you know, currently what your situation is, and then we'll let you get into your story. Well, thank you both. Uh, admire both of you very much, and especially admire your father uh, who's passed. And your you mother. got one of the three of us right. So <laughs> Dad's a good one he's, to admire, uh, but me and Dad, I don't know. He's the best of them. Yeah. You know, it's been it's great to be here with with both of you, and, and to be here with my family as well. Uh, it this listening to this podcast this in preparation has been great. To 
listen to the stories of the people that have come on before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really opened my mind. And I'm just amazed at the insight that they have and how they've really dealt with the emotions that they've felt through the pain that they've felt. And it's really made me question, well, do I really understand myself as much as I thought? And this mm-hmm. process has helped me to really revisit those thoughts and feelings. And so thank you for having me today. I think it's uh, going to be really beneficial for me and, and hopefully for others that listen. That's awesome. Oh, it definitely will be. Every time, I think every time uh, I've ever associated with you, uh, it's just been a happy thing. You're just a happy guy. You're oh. full of happy. <laughs> happy, happy, joy, joy. Um, <laughs> That's right. No, but it's fun to hear that you, like, as you've prepared, you've listened and you, you've thought about your life and mm-hmm. it's made you kind of go back and say, okay, well, hold on. Maybe I didn't understand this the way that I did. So first... Tell us about this beautiful lady sitting here yes, and this, this, uh, this son of yours this sitting here wife, too. This is my wife, Rachel, yeah. uh, formerly Allie, now Fulton. And then my son, Caleb, is with us. Uh, he's 11. And we also have a son, Andrew, who's nine. And we have a daughter uh, that's here with us as well, Leah. And we have a little Spencer. It's three rows. And then we also have a baby on the way. No kidding. And so that's Rachel's... Awesome. Congratulations. 20 weeks pregnant. Woo-hoo. And it's really special for us because we've lost two prior to this, uh, uh, to miscarriages at late term. So this one's a miracle yeah. uh, and, and we're grateful to have it. So I'm sorry. Good. And for a profession, you know, I, right now I, I currently, for the last seven years, I, I sell medical devices, yeah. uh, to surgeons in the operating room. And so I provide products that will help make their surgeries go faster, uh, be beneficial for the patient. Awesome. And to get people better recoveries. That's awesome. Do you stay here mainly locally or do you kind of travel all over? Good question. We, I, well, just me, myself, I cover all of Utah. Nice. So nice. from Logan to St. George. Nice. How's and it been during the pandemic? Actually really good. Yeah. Now I'm really fortunate to still be in the operating room. Good. That's so you awesome. actually go in there and you're part of the surgeries when they do the surgeries. Every day. They yeah. turn to you and they so go, Hey, cool. is this how this is supposed to work? Is it clicking right? <laughs> They're all really pretty darn good, but we're definitely there to avoid any mistakes that could happen How cool. and, and kind that of warn cool. them that this product has its limits. Yeah. Good for you. Awesome. Okay. Well, Jake, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's, dive let's, in, let's huh? talk Jake Fulton. Oh, thank you. Where do you want to start? Day one? I mean, do you remember that <laughs> yeah. far back? Uh, might as well, <laughs> right? Uh, but you know, when I look back at, at my story and I think about what can come of it for listeners, there's three things that really come to mind uh, with my story. And the first one is no matter how dark your life is at this time and no matter how stuck you feel, you can always get out of it. And I think that's really where a lot of people find themselves, uh, whether they thought they were going to go down that road or not. And so there is always hope with that. And then the second part of it is that my story is about prayer and that I personally believe that it's the single greatest gift we have to come out of that darkness and wherever we're stuck. It helps us to pull us out of that light, take into the light, if you will. And then I think the last thing is after facing all those pains and insecurities, we have to deal with that pain somehow. And unless we do, we, we really are insecure and we have dear, still have doubts and fears, even after we come up and we can breathe again, we all of a sudden can now see again clearly. But the question is, have we dealt with those things we've gone through? And so hopefully, you know, my story can help with that 
And so I, I think to the best place to start is always with anyone's story is childhood in sure. a sense. It's really hard. I think our childhoods are really shape us in a lot of ways, right? For sure. And for me, uh, you have to really start my, my mom, my, my biological mother, and my father were really never a couple and from the beginning. And so my mother gained custody early on. Because it seemed like the right thing, right? A mom to stay with a, a child, but did they did they get divorced? They never were married. Okay, and so my my father and mother, my mom basically with all the she had t- two other children True. as well, and she was raising them as well. And so I think the stresses and pressures of life got to her, and she worked in a nursing home and began to take opioids uh. strongly. Now with the siblings, real quick, are, are they yeah. older or younger than you? They're both older. They are a brother okay. and a sister. So you're They're the about youngest. five to seven years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that led to my grandmother really raising the three of us okay. and my mom at the same time. At, at what age was this for you? Now I was two years old. Two. As far as back as I can kind of gather uh, information. And mm-hmm. that's when we began to live with my grandmother at two years old. Okay. And your mom's working full time. Mm-hmm. Is she struggling with the opioids at this point in your life? Very much so. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's very apparent yeah. to all of us, I think. And, you know, my grandmother, this is in Ch- a place called Chesterfield, Utah. It's okay. in West Valley. Yeah. And at this time, not, not at this time, but before this, if, if you look back at history, it used to be called Tent City. Okay. Okay. It's where the government sent people that had no money and they sent them into a tent. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so they really could never escape that city really had a hard time escaping the plagues of, of gangs, Mm -hmm. violence and drugs. And so we, we were able to see that firsthand as young children. And Mm -hmm. as we go to school and we were kind of dealt with that card from the beginning, but thankfully I had a wonderful grandmother who was so smart, had raised seven kids there. She knew how to not let me fail there. So she raised her kids in the same city. Same place. So your mom was born and raised there. Okay. Exactly. No kidding. And so she knew all the triggers that would put me down a wrong path. So I didn't really get to play with many people. Yeah. (laughs) And so grandma was all about work and teaching us principles, but didn't have a good education and didn't know how to teach us that way, but also didn't have very much money. Yeah. And so, but she loved you, loved me to death. And she's probably the single greatest thing that's happened to me uh, in my life. But mom's there, but in and out a lot. And thankfully, I think one of the biggest things that happened to me as I was eight years old at this time and the opioids got so bad Mm. that mom was doing things that she shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was eight years old. So three years younger than Caleb here. And I remember the police showing up at our door mm. and I remember them handcuffing my mother and putting her in the back of a car. And I remember me literally being on the street and watching her go, just like you almost see on the movies. Right. Yeah. And her looking back and me reaching out because no matter how bad your mother and father are, you always seek them. Oh, always. Love them. Right? always. And so this was a real hinge point for me in my life and you were eight years old eight years old and you remember uh, and watching this was just it was painful and i remember doing things like finding needles in her purse and mm-hmm. just seeing her come home plastered and it was very tough to watch and she was a tremendous woman funny full of life uh, had a great heart just couldn't escape it you know yeah. it's it's painful it's to watch but i can understand in a sense mm-hmm. that what she must have been going through and so my grandma smart 
as can be at this time, immediately picks up the phone and she calls my father and she says, it's time to come pick him up. Mm. And my father immediately, and, and at this time, my sister had helped raise me as well. And they knew that it was time to have my dad, who was a stable person, mm-hmm. who had a great job, who worked super hard and had a wife who became my stepmother. They knew it was time for him to come and get me. And so he came and immediately he gained custody very quickly. Interesting that this is your mom's mom yes. calling your father, who is not her child, and saying, it's time. And so right. that's that's got to be really hard. What was their relationship like at that point? Was oh. he completely out of her life? You know, your life? he was there every other, every other Friday. Okay. He would come and pick me up on the clock and my grandmother and him had a great relationship. But that's gotta be really hard because once you say that, and once you invite him back in, although you know, it's the best thing for the kids, it's almost in a way like you're saying, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to see these kids anymore, but it's the best thing for them. So man, your grandma and, and sister. Yeah. They loved me and it would, it would had to be hard to give up a child. It's yeah, almost like sure. giving a child up for adoption, right? What a special lady though. I mean, that's awesome. Anyway, keep going. And I know it tore her heart out because mm -hmm. she watched me grow and helped me grow. And so for my father and her to have that relationship, I'm very fortunate. And then my father even stayed in my life because he could have just said, I'm out because this didn't work out from the very beginning. Why should I stick around? Yeah. And so he took me and this this transferred me up to where you two lived Mm -hmm. uh, up in holiday, Utah. And that's the connection that the three of us have. Yeah. Right up to that neighborhood where we were. And here I am. I'm eight years old at this time. And I completely leave this world that I'm familiar with. I'm taking from my biological mother. I'm put in a new setting that is completely a different culture as you could imagine. Oh yeah. And I remember like so many of us, right? I'm not the only one you probably experience. Everyone listening experiences, but I was made fun of so bad sure. about that transition. Really? I walked different. I talked different. I acted different. My well, schooling was behind. Let's be honest. Um, Holiday, Utah is kind of an affluent area, right? It's, it's very <clears throat> snobbish, right? Like we have a, we have a, we, well, we, we have a bit of a reputation. I yeah. mean, uh, Skyline definitely has a, a reputation yep. for kind of being a bit snobby. I, I, I mean, it is what it is. We got to own it and it's, we got to be better. But, but I think more importantly, it's it's just a place where it's like there are people that work hard who have money and mm-hmm. it's a very fluent place. And so to come from a place like Tent City, right? Yes. And to, yeah. to not really understand that world, to see a mom that struggles, a single mother, I mean, that's that's got to be tough. And as an eight-year-old, you're of course going to feel that. You don't really understand it but you feel it, you see a difference. And I I can only imagine being a kid that old, getting made fun of and And, teased. And you, and you'll learn the pearl of holiday Utah soon, just through my story. But there Mm -hmm. are just the most amazing, incredible people that strive to help other people get out of their situations. No question. And so here I am, I'm almost lost in this new place, but I instantly, the minute I walked into my, my father and stepmother's home, I instantly knew that I was in a better place. No kidding. No matter how hard it was and what I was about to face, I was happy that I was there. How? Why? I'll tell you why. Because I had a mother, my stepmother, who loved me dearly. And you could tell it was her mission and her life goal to get me out of 
where I came from and to get me back up. She was extremely intelligent. She was extremely loving and caring and hard on me mm-hmm. and pushed me to the limits. But I knew that she and my father, now I'm in a, I'm a home now that I have a father and a mother that want the best for me. Yeah. You're getting attention. I am. Right. And I hadn't, I hadn't experienced that from a mother and a father. Yeah. And I saw them, they were affectionate with each other too. Yeah. And with oh, my siblings. Cool. And so now I have a father that provides consistently. I have a mother that's watching over me to make sure I'm on track mm-hmm. to do all these things. And it was just this beautiful life. I mean, we were not perfect by any means. Uh, my parents had their issues. You know, we had issues as a family. We weren't the type of family that's going to sit down for dinner every night. You weren't the leave it to beavers? Yes, exactly. Or the cleavers yeah. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But what happened was, you know, one of the things my parents, they met in AA. My yeah. stepmother oh, cool. and my father. So they met in AA meetings. Wow. And they developed this bond quickly that they were going to overcome alcoholism. So they just became a big support to each other. Exactly. That is so hard to do. So that usually hard. doesn't work out. And Mike, you can testify that yourself, right? Yeah. Uh, That's experiencing amazing. It. And so they had this skeleton in the closet, though, that was just ready to come out mm-hmm. at the weakest Any link time. in time yeah. of any point of our lives. And unfortunately, it did. Yeah. And we had a great life coasting until I was in my junior year of high school. Okay. Okay. So junior year, let's put an age this. So you're eight years old when your mom's off to jail. Yeah. You come and in junior high, you're about what? Four, 13, 13, 12, 13, I mean, yeah, 13, 14. Like yeah, that. somewhere yeah, 13, on there. 14. So you're in your early teens. Okay. And then my junior year, <clears throat> I'm about 16 and 17. Sure. Right. Yeah. And so I'm going in, you know, I'm in my junior year and my parents begin to experience a lot of financial difficulties. Okay. Some health difficulties. They start experiencing family members that need them more than usual mm-hmm. that were starting to drain them financially and to the point where they were living with us. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of a hijack, if you will. Is this their own children? This is actually their her sister. Okay. My, my mother's sister. Okay. And so they not start, to like point the finger, but just no, give us a little context no. there. Yeah. And so all these Problems start to arise and that skeleton comes out of the closet and they begin to drink again uh, after 14 years mm, of sobriety. Oh, that sucks. And so they, they pick up the that's bottle bad. and things just start to crumble, crumble yeah. and spin out of control. And, and unfortunately it was out of control quickly. Yeah. And so my stepmother, one night I'm at a jazz game. Mm-hmm. We all love the jazz here, right? Oh, yeah, jazz. <laughs> we're, I'm at a game with some buddies, and I always just have this really good relationship with my mom. We talk about everything. I call home This is your often, stepmother. My stepmother, mm-hmm. yes. And we call. I call home often and just let her know what I'm doing because she was always wanting to know, you know, very protective that That's way. Cool. And I knew as long as I let her know, I was going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And so I called her. It was halftime, and I said, look, I'm, I'm going to be home at this time. Are you doing okay? Yeah, doing fine. Hope you're having fun. I love you. And we hung up. And so I head home. I get to the house and I come inside and the TV's up pretty loud. The dog's there. I look in the garage and my mom's car is gone. And she never leaves the house without her purse and without the dog. 
And so I instantly knew something was wrong. So purse was there. Purse was there. And the dog was there. And the dog was there. And so I go over to the table where she always sat, just kind of on this sofa. And I look on the table and there's a note. And it says, I, I love you all so much. And now I'll be with you. And I'm just shocked. I run immediately to my dad's room. I get him. So your dad was home. My dad was home. But he did Sleeping. Oh, my gosh. Had been working just some massive 17, 18-hour shifts. Just tired. Just sleeping. exhausted. Oh. Trying to hold it all together. And he immediately goes to the safe. And the gun's gone. Oh. And so we call at that time my uncle, who is a part of the sheriff department and the Canyon Patrol. And he immediately asked us, where is her favorite spot to go? And we had told him uh, where that was. And then it was the waiting game. Mm -hmm. My dad and I just sat staring at the wall like, what is going on? What do we do? We, We were in complete shock of what we could do. And then just like the movies you see, right? Officer comes to the door. Knocks on the door. Knocks on the door. And... Said your mother's no longer with us. Uh, so and so, I remember just. Sorry, Dan. Go no, ahead. No, I mean this is a. Can you can you talk a little bit more about your relationship with her? Just to to yeah. kind of like give it a little bit more depth. You you know I, I think it's so sweet that you talk about her and how you checked in and how she kind of. Your grandma taught you how to work, but it was your stepmom who really held you accountable. Maybe, maybe the the first person to really kind of instill some accountability into you. I, I that that's such a loving thing. You know, we look at that as kids like it's such a like ah, it's so annoying. You know, but like to to really have someone that cares that much, um, right? To be accountable to, and like that's a huge thing. Can can you just kind of describe a little? Yeah, bit I'm glad more? you asked because if really to understand the loss, you have to understand yeah. the relationship, right, yeah. Dan and our relationship was very difficult at the beginning Mm -hmm. because she saw how much work it was going to take to get me out of where I was. That makes sense. Yeah. And she already had two children where I I don't think it went so well Mm -hmm. with raising them and her alcoholism. And I think she saw this as a glimpse into all those stepmothers out there that are listening. Even she saw this as a glimpse and an opportunity to make men's almost right or wrong. Yeah. That's really neat. And I think she, right from the beginning, made that up in her mind that she was going to take it over and not let me go down. And it took a ton of effort on both parts. It wasn't just her, too. I had to really look at her like a mother and embrace her as a mother and respect her as a mother. But we had a lot of hard talks. Sure. And mm-hmm. we, we both were on the same page that if we're going to make this happen, it was going to take both of us. But she was that, that emptiness. I mean, she was at my games. She was... Yeah. We'd go to the arcades together. So cool. We would go on walks together with a dog. We would drive up the canyon. Mm -hmm. You know, we were best friends in a lot of senses. She's the only one that understood me. Did you think about it? Did she feel like that she had anyone that understood her? I I don't know. Did did she open up much ever? She did. She she had some things in her childhood that Mm -hmm. that were very difficult to go through. And I think we can imagine what those are as a female. And so I think those haunted her for sure. And she didn't talk about her feelings a lot. 
because she was always worried about us. And, and that right. was the, we had no indication that this would ever happen. Just trying to be selfless. Which you hear on the podcast, right? That's yeah, often the case. Absolutely. You don't see it coming. So officer knocks on the door. You answer. This is what you're told. How did you feel? Was it just so well, shocking that you were numb or like, how did you feel? I'm glad you asked that too, because I feel like I went from this life where I had no hope in the beginning to now I have this light of a chance. I have a chance There's on a the world. And now I'm starting back over again in a sense. And so that was just detrimental. Um, it, I can't even describe the almost wanting to give up myself. Sure. Mm-hmm. Because now every foundation that I ever had was gone. And my father, I know he did the best he could. He's a great man. Yeah. And dealt with a tough situation. But mm-hmm. that leads us to the next part is it wasn't over yet. The pain was just beginning. Let, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna pause real quick because I think I think it's really important right here at this point. I can only imagine Jake was a, as a young, so teenage years, right? You're a junior in high school. Like to me personally, and, and a lot of the friends I've seen junior year in high school, you're going through huge transitions. You're right. tra- you're like, people are telling <laughs> you, you got to figure out who you are, what you want to be, wh- what your life is all about. And you're sitting here going, I have no idea. Leave me alone. And you're, you're, you're going through changes that are all crazy sorts, you know, yeah, whatever you're going through your growth spurts and <laughs> if you will, right. You go. Yeah. So the armpit of life. Yes. And, and I, ju- I can't imagine that feeling, right. Just, you know, where, where you said you're starting all over. Can I ask you where, where your real mother at this point, yeah. where was she? Could you lean back on her or is that gone? Is she gone? Is she? Unfortunately, no, she was in and out of prison constantly from the time that she went back that first time. Okay. And so she was not there and I had siblings, but they were trying to work out their own issues as well and and their own parental problems. Mm -hmm. And so that was, yeah, no, no, no place to turn on at this time. And and then even think about it. Right. And you, you mentioned it and you alluded to it is that in high school and and for those kids listening, even hopefully they are listening is that you mentioned this, Dan, as well, a little bit. But when you're in high school and you're going through any grade school of life, you're constantly compared on a daily basis uh, to your peers. Mm-hmm. What a terrible environment, right? And not and, just not just uh, not just like put in comparison to to your peers, but like to the best peers. Yes. <laughs> like you're always graded against the best ones, right? Yep. Because that's the, that's everybody's favorite, right? Everybody likes the best ones because they're the easiest to deal with. They are. Um, it's that having to like that just sets up our whole lives to where we're constantly Mm -hmm. setting ourselves up against people that we see as the best in certain aspects, which is an illusion, right? Yeah. It's an illusion, right? For all of us and those kids listening, it's an illusion. Mm -hmm. You do have to put your best effort for that school. But when you sit there and you compare yourself to others, it's going to be a very tough life and it's hard yeah. to know that. But now we have the knowledge that we can help our kids understand mm-hmm. that. Listen, you are just as good as those other kids just because you didn't have the best grades or couldn't answer every question in class does not define you. And so going back to your question and keeping us on track, Mike is at this time I lose her. I don't really have a place to turn. And so my dad and I were stuck alone, right? 
and my dad's working so much. Like, how can he just stop everything? But unfortunately, the debt collectors start coming to the home. We lose our home. Is dad still drinking through Dad's all this drinking okay. even heavier. Okay. And, and mixing it so with other things. So finances are just shaky and you lose your home. We lose our home. Uh-huh. And, and, and get this in mind. We're overlooking the entire valley. Yeah. We're in a beautiful place. Yeah, you, have a nice, you know yeah, what it's like, spot. right? Mm-hmm. You can't get much better at the no. zip code. Yeah. Um, an area, and they start taking our cars away. Yeah. And we end up in a two-bedroom apartment near State Street. Mm. Definitely a, a change of life right there. Back to, yeah, holy cow. And so we're, we're there. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world did we get here? How do we go backwards? And then now I'm almost back to where I began. And thankfully, there's this, this glimpse of light that's in my life. And in the middle of all this, a coworker introduces me to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for those people listening, may know it better as the Mormon church. And that coworker had heard the pains and struggles I was going through and thought this might be something that could help me. Hmm. And thank goodness that conversation happened that day. Where were you working at? Training table. Okay. So restaurant. Yeah. Okay. Training this, table. I was a bus boy. And this, this coworker, <laughs> yeah. was he a friend of he, she, were they she, a friend mm-hmm. of yours? She was, she, she became a friend through that job. Awesome. And I noticed that there was something different about her. Sure. Right. She didn't swear. She didn't drink. Mm-hmm. Um, there were so many things just in her lifestyle, just was pure happiness. Yeah. You could tell it was, a, it was a sincere joy. And I wanted that. Did she Very approach you from- or did you go up and say, Hey, so I'm not no. really in the best spot in my life right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how it happened, Mike, to be honest, but I know that I wanted to know more. Yeah. And that was the link to me introduced to the missionaries. And I started meeting with the missionaries. And this is where the second part of my story really comes about. And for those people listening, I hope this can help. Is that the missionaries first taught me about prayer. Yeah. yeah. And imagine I've gone 17 years without saying a prayer. Yeah. Pull out the flip chart. Exactly. Right. right? Yep. And, and here I am in, a, in in holiday, right? Never heard of the church. Had seen the buildings but so naive to religion, had no idea what it was about and never really was talked to about it. Sure. Right? But here I am. I meet the missionaries. They say, this can help you so much. It's prayer. And they taught me how to do it. And so I started saying this prayer. Heavenly Father, please, there is no way I can get out of this situation on my own. I'm stuck. And I know that you can help me out of it. Please put the people and put me in the path that I need to be in. And that is one of the keys to my story, I think, is that I asked for that help. And guess what? The people started to come, and they started to come fast. Hmm. I started to have a young men's leader who you both know, Kurt Goddard. Yeah. I love Kurt Goddard. Kurt, great guy, right? Loves the gospel. I'm going to pause you. Yeah, do it. You got it. Kurt, you said something that is very important that I think I repeat right here real quick. When, when you first start praying, first of all, you're in a place where you're like, what is my identity, <laughs> right? Like, what, who am I? What is this world all about? You've gone from crazy poverty to like good spot, amazing, overlooking the valley. So very affluent area, back to poverty, and, and you've lost parent. You've lost a mom that's in jail, in and out of jail. And all of a sudden, you're going, what's my identity? And you're in high school. That's crazy. That's crazy. You meet missionaries. They teach you about God. 
They help you understand that you're his child, right? That you you have this you have access to him. spiritual DNA mm-hmm. that makes you a very special, special person, just like all the rest of us, right? Right. You start saying prayers, and I, I love something that you said that that to me just like rings a bell in my heart. You started to say, put me in the place and put other people in my path that will help me. That's a very simple ask. You're not going to God and saying, I need this, 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 this to get me out of here, so please bring it, and I'll be happy with that. But you, in your humble and just broken place, say put people around me that'll help me and put me in their path and help me recognize it. And then all of a sudden it starts happening. And I just think, I think that's a very important place to pause Jake, because that to me right there, when you're that kind of person, all of a sudden things start to move around you. And yet you still connected that back to heavenly father and, and, and gave that back to him. That's pretty powerful. I'm glad you pointed that out. And if you're listening and you're stuck and you don't know where to turn and you think all is lost and there's no light at all, start there. Start by just getting on your knees and just asking for help. Whether you believe in the God that you and three other three believe in mm-hmm. or whatever God it is, start there because now you have access to something that's bigger than you. Amen. Amen to that. And so the people show up. Kurt shows he up. He sent you Kurt Goddard. And Kurt Goddard. <laughs> that's, a, so that's, that's a good one. So that's another interesting thing is that, so as me and Mike have interviewed uh, a number of people so far already, one of the things that that we've really found, I mean, from our own stories and and and, and from what we've heard other people go through is that there's this, there, there's kind of this point to, to your dark, to our dark places uh, when we're trying to get out where suddenly... I, I don't know if it's a, a movement that we make. I don't know exactly what it is that starts attracting people, but there's something that does start attracting people. You start kind of gathering your army. We've, we've kind of called it. And it's, it's having that support system, kind of a support system that's going to help you go from one place to a place maybe you've never been. Um, I think of it a little bit like a, a CEO who takes a company, like a small business that's, you know, kind of a, doing a, a good job in, in their sphere right now, but mm-hmm. they want to get upstream, right? They want to sure. get those bigger clients. There, there's a different thing that they have to do. They have to act different. They have to do different things. They have to have different goals that they don't have to be able of. to get there. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and to get there, you need, you need some guidance. You need some people in your life that can get you there. So we kind of went through that with, as a company with recently, we, we, change CEOs. It wasn't because the, the other CEO was bad. It's that the new CEO knew that, okay, I can take you where you guys want to go because I've done it before. Now you've got these people in your life, like Kurt Goddard, who, who shows up, he's, he becomes a, a, a you know, one of, one of the leaders is your, one of the young men in his mm-hmm. neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about Kurt, talk a little sure. bit about a couple of the other people that, that really, you know, became that army for you at that time to help you get to where you hadn't been yet, but where we were trying to go. Well said, Dan. And you think about it. It's whether a business, mm-hmm. whether a personal, there's someone that has the blueprint out there. Yes. Mm-hmm. And now I finally had access to it and I saw it firsthand. I didn't have the mentors in a personal family, but I knew I was never going to have that again. Mm-hmm. So I knew I needed to go out and find it. And my wife always says, it takes a village to raise a boy mm-hmm. or a child. Mm-hmm. Is it Cause especially a boy. Yeah. <laughs> At least the ones that I know. Oh, man. So Kurt comes and Kurt is relentless. Kurt knows that I need help. 
And he would come and pull me out of bed to go to church on Sundays. He would come and pick me up and take me to lunch. Were you still in state, the State Street area? And so yes, this is not yes, a short drive for him. But I'm him. still so coming back. Out of his yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. exactly. He's okay, calling. Cool. Uh, he's hitting me up on the phone constantly. And, and he's not mincing words. He knows what I need to do to succeed. Mm-hmm. But also there's that love factor, him and his wife, uh, Brett. Yeah. Um, they were a place I could go to and just talk. Yeah, and that's vent. so cool. And so all you young men, young women leaders, even other denominations, you have influence. Don't deny that it's there. Mm-hmm. And so Kurt came, we had Ron White. He showed up. Uh, that was our bishop at the time. It was just a listener, a mm-hmm. lover, uh, someone that would help him and his wife as well. And then just that whole holiday, 26 ward, if you will, mm-hmm was the village and they were always there giving you a pat on the back great job making it today you can do this and your father taking me on the boat you know that great big smile looking back <laughs> and and just letting me see the joy that the yeah. gospel brings yeah and so one that was more pivotal than any other probably was my dad was drinking heavy and was going through a lot of pain of his own and probably didn't have much hope himself. And it was no longer safe for me to be him with him on my senior year of high school in this apartment. Yeah. And so I had told the teacher, I was a member of the church, that I was in this situation. And she said, no longer will you live like this. You will come live with me. This is your teacher This is in a high school teacher. High school. A female high no school teacher. <laughs> what? That's Which amazing. would never fly today. Well, right? no, I mean, but like... We would be on KSL. <laughs> right. Right? So... She says, listen, come live with me. Mm -hmm. And within the first week, I knew that I wanted to serve a mission. That's so cool. And so I said, I will be serving a mission and I'll be out of here in a year and a half. I got to ask, can you tell us who that was? Yeah. Her name's Chris Thomas. Oh my gosh. And so Skyline. So did did she, she have family? Like she raised kids before? Like she, she, her and her mother lived together. Yeah. And her mother was a member of the church. And I think the gospel meant a lot to them. And so they made me lead the house, right? I'm taking out the garbage. I'm saying prayers. I'm giving (laughs) blessings. You name it. They were there and kept kept me on track. And I'll forever be grateful for them. And so I'm there and I determine I'm going to serve a mission because I know that's where I need to go to get out of this hole. How cool is that? Because I know that's where the light is, right? And so I get my call. I get called to the Canada-Winnipeg mission. And I have this mission president and wife that uh, are from the South. And we're exactly, I cannot, Dan and Mike, they, they were the perfect mm-hmm. fit for me. Kind of like parents, like surrogate parents, right? Absolutely. And the ultimate example of what I wanted in my yeah. life and what I feel like I thankfully have now in Rachel and they were hilarious too. They'd be in the mission and just say the most hilarious things. They didn't let you take it too serious. Mm-hmm. They were funny with they investigators. The they yeah. weren't too serious. They didn't they take were this. Real. They showed the gospel yes. that it was what it is. It yes. was, it's a delight, right? It's yes. it's yeah. amazing to be a part of, and it doesn't have to be this stringent, yes. strict thing. I mean, you'd be in a, a meeting and just say the funniest things. The spiritual be like, "Hey, elder, put that in your pipe and smoke it." <laughs> you know, so just. President, I hope you don't mad at me for that. <laughs> but just, I mean, that Southern accent and those great big hugs. So I saw now, again, this blueprint of what I wanted. And then I had success on the mission. I could go up to people that were just, I could see their pain. And I could say to them, look, 
This was my story. You can get out of this. And so I feel like I almost had to step up on some of the missionaries that were out there because this was the first time they experienced loss, right? Yeah, you'd used it. And so I'm there and just really flourishing the mission. And it's a place, yeah. Real quick, before we get into some of the the more mission stuff, um, you've talked a couple times about people who have the blueprint of, of, of what you were looking for. Right. What was it that you were looking for? Like, what were a couple of those things that you valued that you wanted in your life that you saw from those people? I think it was teaching me the simple things that make a family great. Uh, it's family dinner, right? It's the, it's the things that you do together kind of. Exactly. The, it's the little simple ritualistic things you do together as a family that kind of create the bonds that. Exactly. Yeah. It's I'd the a, family dinner. It's the I'd imagine connection some structure. Had. Right. Like structure. family with some mm-hmm. structure and some time together. Cause you, you hadn't had that. And mm-hmm. the same goals. Yeah. Okay. I saw a couple that had the same goals in mind yeah. mm-hmm. and we're going to achieve them together. Not yeah. alone. Yeah. And so they, they, they complemented each other really well. That's cool that you were thinking of those things at that time in your life when I just wasn't at all. <laughs> well, but because I think that's, you, you knew what you wanted or you could at least sense what you lacked. Maybe that's, I think that's the most important part is when you don't have something and you see somebody that's got something different than you. And you're like, this is, this is happy. This, this makes me feel good. This is energy. There's energy here. And I see two people, a husband and wife, Brent and Kurt Goddard that are just like, Mm -hmm. they talk to each other. They love each other. There's good forward momentum in their lives. And you're like, I recognize that. I I want want that. that. Yeah. You can pinpoint it and say, that's what I want. I want to taste that. Right? Yeah. And, and they really honed in that that's all that matters in this life. I mean, these are wealthy people yeah. that you would never know because their heart's not with money. It's with what matters most is family. And they had a desire to help kids figure that out and, and, and sisters, brothers, whatever you want to call it. They, they knew how to help you. And so that, that was just a, a hinge point, another hinge point. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. So let's talk about other hinge points. So, so you're on the mission. You just have an awesome experience up in Winnipeg. Yes. Rachel's jumping in. Go. I just want you to talk about how, as people, when you recognize, when you've only known darkness, mm-hmm. you, you feel and you see light so much easier. Yeah. Yes. That's Sometimes you don't know how to yeah. access it if you don't have the right tools and people, if you don't have mm-hmm. missionaries, if you don't. But you know what it is. Totally. The difference is, is if you're willing to put in that effort. Otherwise, you will live in that darkness forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you're willing to put in the effort and you ask the prayer, yeah. people in my path, mm-hmm. I think God wants you totally. to that Well said. Perfect. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you for being here, Rachel. <laughs> that was awesome. No, no I just hope that comes through. Now so, you know why I married her. Yeah. And so it, kind of going off of what she just said, is that those people, again, that are listening, that, that have children on missions and they are suffering, be glad that they're having some suffering because that's going to help them contrast the light. Right. And if you are going through hard times right now, look at that as a grateful thing because now you can see more clearly uh, unless it's just rolling smoothly. Right. And now what she alluded to is that you have to have a desire to want to find the blueprint and take it and run with it. And so that's, that's really what I did. Mike is I, I, I come, I'm, I'm done with my mission. I have no place to go home to, unfortunately uh, I do, but it's not a place mm-hmm. that's safe. 
Is this back with your dad then? It would be with my dad and maybe okay. a sibling that is not maybe ready to, to have me mm-hmm. at that time because they have their own mm-hmm. responsibilities. Sure. And so I remember being in the mission, my mission president and I looking for apartments. Mm-hmm. And finally, you know this great man, John Ballard. Ah, he's the best. <laughs> he's, he's sneak peeking on some of the council meetings and uh, as the financial guy. Yeah. And he hears that I need a place to stay. Uh, and so he chimes in and says, you know, I want Jacob to come live with my wife and I. And you knew, did you know him? I knew him. Okay. I knew him because his yeah, son was one of my best yeah, friends, JP. Mark Balleth. Yeah, Mark. Okay. Mark and JP. Mark, that's right. Yeah, that Mark. whole group. And they had eight kids, right? And yeah. just a wonderful family, an example yeah. of, of, of John, how, how to live. John Balleth is one of the best people I know. Yeah, he's got a lot he of is, joy. He is the, he has about the purest, most uh, tender heart of any man I think I've ever met. I love him to death. That's awesome. So he says, bring Jacob home. He says, bring Jacob Let's home. And, and you know, Dan, you bring, so he, the reason why he's like that is he has such an interest in everybody's yeah, life. Have you ever does. noticed that yeah, when you're with him? It's true. about you. Always, he knows it's everything. It's always about you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And he when had been taking care of a wife that had a stroke yeah. Yeah. for almost 18 years at well, this point. So yeah. that was already, already happened? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's she, already she has a stroke, right? He's yeah. been taking care of her for all these years. Mm-hmm. But yet he finds it in his heart that he could still help somebody else. Yeah. Uh, and it was a big part of her too yeah. as well, Donna. Mm-hmm. Donna was one that yeah, was Don's like, amazing. you come live with us. So I come home and I'm in this great, I'm back up to holiday again, yeah. right? I'm back, back to where to I need to be. Almost <laughs> really like a few houses away from yeah. where you lived. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. One block down, right? And so I'm home, but now is the last part of my story and mm-hmm. hopefully we have some time for it, but, well, um, we have plenty. Yep. I, I come home and I have the tools now. I have the blueprint. I have everything I need, but I really haven't. And, and this is a lot of people out there. I haven't dealt with my baggage. I've kind of muscled through it yeah. and charged through it. And so. Well, congratulations for doing that. Oh, Cause man, what you. a, what a story to start off. And but. so I, I'm two weeks home and I am asked to go to this function of a, of a singles function for the church. And, and there's where I meet Rachel and Rachel, as you guys know, just, the most amazing, could not find a better fit for me. Someone that could look past my craziness and look past some of the crazy things I say probably <laughs> and say, this is not what you're really meaning, but this is why you're acting that way, right? And so she really pushed me to internalize and feel what I was feeling. Because I was ignoring that and those feelings. So what 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 is it in Rachel's awesome. background that uh, that gives her the insight to tell you to lean into those things? Because that's not something that I learned until really late in life. Rachel's the second oldest of six kids, mm-hmm. and she had a motherly instinct from the beginning, and knew if you meet Rachel, it's all about other people, mm-hmm. right? It's never about her. It's always caring. And, and wanting to help others. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's where her background was. She came from a good family, good family that was raised in, you know, not a perfect family. I, I get to see them all the time, right? They still have their mistakes, but parents that, that held family dinner. I go back to that every time. Uh, right? so parents, if you're listening, family dinner, get back to it. <laughs> 
because put down your phones, especially while you're doing it. Just the daily conversations that happen there. And they never missed. They really never missed much. It was rare. And I look back and if I can pinpoint anything that their family had success with, and the reason why is because of family dinner. I sat down together. And, and you can take all the rest out of it. I think that was the key, you know, that and that reliance on God. Um, so that was what it was. And so Rachel was that light for me, but to deal with the things I had to deal with, I still had to deal with that. So in short, let me just share one thing here is that I, we had to have one more setback that was big and it had to be together so that I could really overcome the doubts, the fears, the insecurities that beset me. So after all the mission and everything, you were still having all these things subconsciously, maybe, maybe yes. not even, you don't even know they're there. But they're there. The joy is in me yeah. outwardly, yeah. but inside I'm You're dying. Still, okay. And, and don't know how to process it other than just being happy okay. as I can. Interesting. And muscling through. So we have two children at this time and we're living in Orem. And I decided I want to go into nursing school. You know, none of my family had ever gone to college mm-hmm. and I wanted a hard degree on the wall, right? Yeah. I knew I wasn't smart enough to be a doctor or whatever it was going to be, but I knew that that degree would look pretty tough and then Mm -hmm. my kids could follow that. So we go down that path and we spend three years of our life. I mean, we're talking 6am to midnight of, of years, three years straight. Just Rachel never seeing me. And I end up getting into nursing school finally, but I fail nursing school. And I have to come home and tell this patient wife that's been dealing with this for three years, honey, I'm sorry. I, I felt and we're going to have to start over. So here we are again. From my childhood, you lose your, your biological mother. You, you lose all the things that I've gone through already. And then now I'm back again. Another point where I'm back to square zero almost again. And I have to face that. And you're failing someone else now. Now yes. it's you falling oh, into yeah. that cycle, Glad right? I pointed that out. I mean, and now it's no longer. And then my children, right? Mm-hmm. And so I go... The next morning I wake up and I remember President Hinckley. We all love President oh, Hinckley, right? He was all of our prophet, yeah. right? He was yeah. our prophet. And, and, and obviously President Nelson is today for us, but he said something, and I'm going to butcher this quote, but look it up, folks. Um, he said, <laughs> basically, get on your knees and pray and put your, hand, your pants back on and go to work. Mm-hmm. And so I got up that next day and I said, well, what am I good at? I'm good at sales. So I call the Weber State program, which happens to be one of the best programs in the United States for sales. And they're like, why do you want to come to school here? I said, well, because I, I stink and I, I failed at nursing school. And they said, well, come up here and talk to us. And, and Dan and Mike, I found where I needed to be. Awesome. And all of a sudden, this confidence started to come in me. And, and I started doing really well. And it led to the job that I'm in now, which actually is just a true miracle that I, that I even got into that job. But I get into this job and I'm still facing some of those insecurities though and those failures and those doubts. And so now I'm thinking, how can I approach people that are way smarter than me? I've never been smart in my life. How can I approach them and ask them to buy things from me that will help patients? Mm -hmm. And so I go to these national sales meetings and every national sales meeting, I don't know why this happened, but every single time I'm called out to do a role play in front of all of these people, hundred people, at least 50 to hundred people. And anyone that knows me can attest this is true. And I'd get up there and I would just fall apart. Uh-huh. 
I mean, it was embarrassing for people to watch. I mean, you literally probably had people putting their hands over their head like, wow, how does this guy have a job? And it was because every doubt and fear and anxiety yeah, came to me. Come to so this happened for, th- ask Rachel, this happened three years straight. Man. And finally, I'm in one meeting and I get called on again. I don't know how I get chosen every year. There are a hundred people in there, right? Yeah. And I get up and, and this time before I go up, I had this whispering. Or you very clearly to me an impression upon my mind that I have no doubt was from God. That said to me, look, you are just as good as anybody else in this room. You have all the talents and gifts that they have. And they are no better than you. And if they can do it, you can do it. And I got up there and I blew it out of the water. Knocked it out of the park. And some of these same people that saw me struggling over the years came up to me and says, what was that? And so... I now, and for these, if I can give anything in this podcast, you guys asked about the gift, right? What's the gift? What's the gift, right? What's what's the gift that you would give through this podcast to other people? And I would say to those listening, quit being so hard on yourself. Quit telling yourself that you're dumb. Quit telling yourself that you're a bad mother. Quit telling yourself that you are not good at your job and that your peers are so much smarter than you. And all of you kids going to school right now, just because someone like Dan Grexon, who's very smart, gets the perfect grades and knows what to say in class, doesn't mean he's better than you. And just because they can dribble and shoot a basketball and play football does not mean that they are better than you because they have more friends based on their social interactions with them on a weekly basis. And you deal with something if you play piano or whatever it is, and you only see one person who is your teacher, and all of a sudden you think you're nothing because of that, that is the biggest thing that I would say the adversary wants us to believe, is that we are nothing, and that that we cannot be as good as anyone else. I love that, Jake, because that's the thing that I probably struggle with the most in life. I, uh, you know, I... um yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not easy to go through. I deal with a lot of insecurities and it's not easy. So I, I I'm curious and because I deal with that, what, what is it that you've done to kind of, uh, overcome those insecurities within yourself? How do you, how do you, how have you kind of cultivated that mental strength to, uh, to, or, or what have you done to maybe kind of silence that internal voice that is mean? I think, Rachel's helped me understand what this means is, is first off, you do need a mentor Mm -hmm. to talk to about that, but then it has to be that moment. Like I had, right. You need to mentally convince yourself that you are just as smart and good as anybody else. Yeah. And just because you have a limitation doesn't mean you won't accomplish things in your life. I mean, look at us, we get to this age now and we look back at the people that were the cool people in school, right? Are they really much better than us? They're Do they fat have any and bald diff- just like us, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bald. Stop it. And then I would say it's it's prayer. Yeah. I could not do it alone, guys. And I honestly asked Heavenly Father constantly, Heavenly Father, and this prayer still goes on today. I know that I'm not enough. Mm. I get in my car every day and I'm on my way to sell to these physicians. And I say, Heavenly Father, I, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I know I can't do this alone. Please help me to believe in myself. 
Put the people in my life to help me believe in me. Help me look in the mirror and be happy with what I see. Because so many of us are not happy. And I would say it's a dang good chunk of us. And so, again, be nice to yourself and find this. So to answer that question, it's prayer. It's talking positive to yourself. It's listening to positive things like this. And it's, it, it's, it's a cost, right? Yeah. Anything that comes easy is probably not of our Father in Heaven. Anything that takes effort is from All our uphill. Father in Heaven. Yeah. And so... I, I want to say a um, couple things real quick. Um, I, there's, there's something about you, Jake, that I think is so... Okay, you get up and you fail three times in these yeah. big conferences or multiple times, right? Then you get up and you knock out of the park. You say a prayer as you're as you're getting ready. You don't maybe you're probably praying without really recognizing, but you hear a voice saying, "You got this. You 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 are as good as anybody else in here." That that voice when we get to a quiet place where we listen and we're asking for help in whatever way that is. We could be yelling and screaming. We could be, but we're asking for help. We're looking for something. We'll mm-hmm. find it. We connect with God in that way. But there's something so special about you, Jake, that that rings loud and clear to me, is as you sit here and you look at these failures, and then you, you got to the point where you knocked out of the park, you didn't quit. Mm-hmm. And you kept going. And you kept trying. And you got back up. And you kept dealing with pain. Even though you tried to push it away, you kept going. And there's something so powerful about continuing to go, to, con- to continue to move. You're putting yourself in really awkward positions, going to places where you're going to a church, you don't really know these people. You're living in a home where you don't really know these people. You're trying. And that, to me, is basically saying to your higher power, whatever that may be, if you're listening, you're saying, I'm trying. And as soon as you say to him, I'm trying, and I need some help, he gives it to you. And that's, to me, Jake, I think you're, you're as great of an example as I've ever seen in my life of someone who's never quit, oh. who's just gotten back up, brushed off the dust the best they can and gone to work. And I appreciate that, that uh, example from you, my friend. I want to share a story with the two of you. And I had to do this at the end because it, it, it will get me every single time <laughs> that I tell this story. I, I'm back from my mission. And and I forget who the bishop was at the time. It still may have been Ron it White. Was Ron. Ron. Yeah. It was Ron, yeah. right? And I'm back. I'm still going to the family ward because I think that I'm better and I can. I don't need to go with people my age, and I just want to <laughs> live, move on with my life without getting married. And so I'm there, and after he comes up to me, he's like, "Can you help me fulfill an assignment that I have?" You know, Brother Gregson. He's sick in bed and he can't get up anymore to take the sacrament. And so I need you to take the sacrament to him with another person. And so I get there and I had no idea what condition he was in, guys. Like, I always just remember this guy that was driving a boat that was just pulling you around trying to kill you (laughs) and and just laughing with that big smile doing it at the same time right i love you but i'm gonna try and kill you on this tube right <laughs> exactly and so i go and i go around the corner and you remember as good as i do he's in bed and he's almost not coherent i guess if you will say 
And here I, we are, and we've got the, the bread and the water. And he recognizes that we come in the room. And with all the strength he could muster up, he sat up. And I lost it. I broke down. Like, I, I haven't broke down. I can remember. And here's this man that I love that, that, that should be one of the last people on this earth that should die. And I'm sitting there. And he reaches his arm up as I get close to him. And he pulls my head in close to his head. And he kisses me on the cheek. And he couldn't talk. But I felt his love like I've never felt. And that was the last time I ever saw him. And I walked away that day and I heard a few weeks later that he passed away and I was so angry that I didn't go to his funeral. But then there was that reminder and that voice to me that said, what are you talking about? I gave you something greater than many people were able to experience with that man. And so I wanted to share that with you because that man is in both of you. I can see him in both of your eyes. And, and that love that he has and possesses is in both of you. It's it's definitely inside of each one of you. And so thank you for having me today. And thank you for whoever's listened today to a story that I hope can help them in their lives um, in the future. It absolutely will. You have, Jake, you are a, you're, you're an amazing person. I'm so grateful for your light and for your strength uh, and for being with us here today. It's been a great, great time. We love you, man. Love you too. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Come Towards Delight, where we try to connect with people who have delight and an uplifting story to share. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share our podcast and help us spread delight. One last thing, we would love to hear from you. So please leave us your feedback. Or if you know someone who has brought delight to you, please email us at come towards delight at gmail.com. See, See you, you next time. time.